Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Near. I'm Brett, and today we revisit our thoughts on Blizzard, since so much has happened in the last few months. If you haven't already listened to our first few episodes about Blizzard, check them out, as we'll be referencing those in this episode. Hey, Walker. A lot has happened in the Blizzard space since we recorded our first few episodes. So I know there's got to be a ton of thoughts. Why don't you share some of your thoughts on just some of the recent happenings? Yeah, what's up, man? Um, yeah, there has been a lot since we we talked about Blizzard last. Um, obviously, we technically talk about Blizzard <laughs> probably almost week over week as we're both StarCraft fans uh, and I play WoW all the time. So it's not something that's been absent. But we haven't really, I don't feel like, talked about a lot of the news Um I mean, I think we'll just start with <laughs> what could arguably be the elephant in the room, which was probably the probably the biggest story to come out of Blizzard this year uh, or to come about surrounding Blizzard. And that was really the the Blizzard involvement with the, the protests going on in Hong Kong and the whole free Hong Kong thing. There was a lot of controversy over the way Blizzard responded to, I think it was Hearthstone players um, who used their their space in like a Hearthstone tournament to, to promote their view on the Hong Kong protests or whatever. Right. Um, it seems like that's mostly in the rear view at this point. I mean, there was a really, really strong reaction to that when it came out, people were canceling blizzard accounts and there was a hashtag cancel blizzard or something like that right. going around for a while. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it seems like, like again, like that's kind of, kind of blown over at this I mean, point. At least Blizzard's involvement in it has. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't mean the Hong Kong protest. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not trying to talk about that scene. I'm saying that Blizzard's the backlash about Blizzard's involvement. With right. That. Well, and there was it, it, it. Kind of doubled because there was already, and I don't remember which one was first, but the NBA was also in the news for similar. Mm-hmm. you know there so the news cycle was very bubbled up about both of those so you know blizzard was getting some mainstream news coverage i think because the nba was already in the mainstream on it or you mm-hmm. know there was some tandem it was easy to piggyback on them so there I, I think the overall coverage has dialed down i believe if i'm not mistaken they pulled back on some of the uh, they kind of came out with really strict uh, and kind of heavy handed repercussions uh, and they've pulled some of that back mm-hmm. um, and, and at least a little bit closer to what most people think is at least somewhat fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, whether or not that was what it took to handle the backlash or if it's just something that a- after a couple of weeks, it's hard to stay in the news with anything unless you are, really on fire and i I don't Mm -hmm. think that this was an enough of an ongoing outcry like blizzard didn't come out and take some big announcement stance they they had their pr moment they had their pr recovery and that was it they didn't take some long-standing in your face knock them down approach to this um I, i think is good i think that was i think that you know what they did i'm uh, probably a little bit further in the against camp, uh, but it, they didn't keep doing it. Right. So, I mean, is it a bad mark on their record to me? Yeah. But 
I, you know, that gets into just my own thoughts on, you know, politics and large companies. And I don't want to really get into that, but it's a, you know, it has been some time it's, it's dialed back from there. I don't think it's really hurt the Hearthstone pro scene or anything. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. that's just kind of everything is kind of returning to normal, whether that be a good or a bad thing. Right. Right. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm like like you said. I, I think everything is kind of returning normal, and I'm glad to see it. And I think part of what helped that um, was they had they had BlizzCon this fall. Right. And coming out of BlizzCon, you, going into BlizzCon, there was a lot of concern that like it would be completely dominated by the free Hong Kong controversy. Right. Um, and I think there was a chance that it would have, but it wasn't because they announced several everything. New- they yeah. had, and maybe some of that too was. I think some of that was pushed a little ahead of schedule, but not just for that. I think there's multiple reasons that Blizzard made a big showing this year. Um, And I think a lot of it is trying to bounce back from the prior years. I guess that'd be like 2018 BlizzCon was horrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think this was a an attempt to bounce back from a lot of that. And then maybe a few last minute changes to help try to are you sure you want to cancel your your Blizzard account? Because we just announced literally everything. Right, right. And we did we did do a, an episode that, that listeners are welcome to go check out where we we talked about BlizzCon and, and you know the titles coming out of that in, in great detail. But we'll still you know cover them again as well here. But obviously we had Diablo Four was yep. at least in my opinion the the one I was the most excited about. That was the crown jewel for me too. That that trailer was amazing. Oh man, it's so good. And it it, it you know as as you said, I think when we talked about it initially, it does harken a little to the way that Diablo Three was announced too. Though when Diablo Three was announced initially, it looked like it was going to be this really gritty, grimy, mm-hmm. dark game, and then turned into something very Decker different Kane getting murdered by a butterfly fairy. Yeah. <laughs> Shire was the secret level. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, well, it still remains to be seen. They've got some interesting ideas where they're trying to like quasi MMO it. Like it's not a full MMO, but it's kind of a shared world thing. And either way, it, it, it's still a long time out from release. There's still a lot of development time and a lot of things that, are up for change. Yeah, there's no date. Not even, I don't even think there's a year announced yet. Like, I, I don't think right. it's coming out this year. I think you're right. They'll probably do gameplay footage at BlizzCon this year. Like, more. That'll yes. be the greater focus. Um, yes. And then an announcement date, or at least a season, like spring or summer 2021, something like that. Well, and, you know, I I, I mean, I, I don't think that Diablo Immortal is going away. I think that is still yeah, going to come out. I think it is too, but they were surprisingly silent on it. It yeah. have been. It's not anywhere in the news. Like, it, is it out yet? Can I? It, when is it coming out? Where is it? Is it only in China? Is it only a Tencent thing? Like, right. there's been very little news about what or where or how Diablo Immortal is progressing. Well, and here's, I mean, here's my take on it is, am I excited about Diablo Immortal as a mobile game? No, not really. But I'm also not a huge mobile gamer. So it's not, it's just not, I'm just not the market for that. But I was disappointed when they announced that as the next entry, because I think of a mobile game as more of like a, uh, like an add-on or something. Like Like a a side game. Yeah. Like an extra thing. 
but that shouldn't be all that you're working on. And so with the announcement of Diablo 4 being in the works, I'm much more comfortable with Diablo Immortal coming out now. Kind of like, and now I don't own a Nintendo console, so this isn't really valid, but <laughs> let's say I was really eager for the next Super Mario game to come out. Well, when Nintendo releases Super Mario Run right. as an endless runner app, I'm not upset by that because I don't think it's pulling away from the next Mario Galaxy right. or whatever it is. You know what I mean? So, but if Mario Galaxy 2 <laughs> was Super Mario Run... Yes, then <laughs> that would be very disappointing. Um, so yeah, I think that I, I'm interested to see you know, if Diablo Immortal comes out, how it actually is received now that it's not being viewed as the next main entry in the series. Right, now that there's already a promise of four... And right. there's some gameplay footage and a trailer that are fully announced. Right. So it's it's at least it proven to a point that like it exists. Then yeah. is that enough to keep people like I, again? I think that if they would have made it like they did the Bethesda announcement when they released Fallout Shelter at E3 several years ago, at the end of the announcement of Fallout Four, like that's how you do it. It's like yeah. we know Fallout Four is coming in like a year. But boom, today you can go after this this you know announcement, go play Fallout Shelter, and that'll you got a year to play that. Right. Like I, I think that's more how you do. I think they really they could have benefited and it, it's not like that was something that came after BlizzCon. This was several years back now. Like they can yeah. learn from that. That's oh that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's fair. The Fallout 4 announcement was one of the best ever. Yeah. Um because it was only a few months out from being ready, you know, right. which you never see. So there was uh, also, you know, kind of doubling back on things on BlizzCon that, you know, we've hit on a little bit, but again, just things that we're kind of watching and keeping an eye on Overwatch 2. Mm -hmm. um, still, I'm still interested in it for largely having that single player content access. Um, and hopefully it will see what they do and, and how they do it. But there's a, there's a lot of ways that it could go just because there's so many characters and there's so much story that's kind of already led up. Like, it seems like every video that's been released for Overwatch has been kind of leading up to what could happen in Overwatch 2. Mm. Like, it's almost like they're all gameplay, or not gameplay, but they're all trailers, right? They're right. full story videos, but it's it's almost like that same kind of way that the Diablo 4 trailer was for Diablo. It seems like you could watch all of the Blizzard or all of the Overwatch, you know, videos kind of in order because there is a sequence for them and they're all talking about getting the band back together and kind of recruiting all of the characters and mm -hmm. then boom then you have overwatch 2 but what that game ends up becoming will be at least from a single player perspective because we already know what the multiplayer is going to be right if they if they just do more of the same then it's great um but from a single player perspective there's a lot of directions that they could go with this and yeah, yeah, no, I'm really interested to see where they, they go with it. Um, uh, I, I know reviews that I read of people who played the the playable demo of Overwatch 2 single player at BlizzCon were a little disappointed. Um, they, they didn't say it was bad, they just said that it wasn't really that groundbreaking. Like, it just kind of felt like they weren't really taking very many risks and, like... Right maybe they really could lean into it somehow. So, but of course it's early and, and who knows where they go with it. Um, I don't know how interested I am in overwatch as a single player game. It, it, 
I don't know. It just it, 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 time will tell. We'll have to see where they go with it. I think that Overwatch as a multiplayer game is compelling and interesting, and I think that it's a its own unique flavor. Um, although I haven't really played it much for a few months now, um, but as a single player thing, like I. They would really, they would really have to go a long way to make that really interesting. Well, and that's, I think that kind of harkens to also already knowing, like, especially if you've, I haven't played that much Overwatch, but I played enough that like I already know most of the characters. So if I'm playing a single player game and I only have three abilities and an ult and a primary and secondary weapon or something, like, eh, it's pro- how do you make that feel like not fighting bots when you're so used to fighting people? That's what I mean. Is it feels like like if it's like and especially if you take a character like Reinhardt, right, where you've right. got a hammer and a shield, and it's like, how much fun is it going to be to run through level after level, swinging my hammer at stuff and blah? You know what I mean? I, mean, like, they, just... I think they could do some interesting things if if they leaned into some of the story that they've already put out with multiple characters in a mission, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to go in and like you have maybe a mission map where you get to deploy your characters or whatever, and then maybe you can tab between them or something where one character has to infiltrate and hack things down. You know, Sombra's going to hack it all down and, and lower the shields, and then maybe Reinhardt has to open the door and stand there with his shield while, you know, Widowmaker's sniping from, you know, granted I'm mixing good, quote-unquote good and bad, but you get the idea where, like, you could have kind of a squad of characters and using their abilities to complement each other and being able to control multiple characters to get through one story could be really interesting. No, that is actually a really interesting idea and take. I mean, the only game I've played that... that I, I guess I've played like Trine, which kind of does that, where you hot-swap characters, but you do that in the same location to solve right. puzzles. Um, and it's same but, with kind of if they take a Lost Vikings approach to it is yeah. kind of the same thing. Well, but but GTA Five actually does exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. In GTA Five, you play as three protagonists, and there are heist missions you do where one guy is in a building like trying to steal paperwork or something, and another guy is flying the helicopter, and another guy is using a rifle from the you know inside the helicopter. And you switch between all three characters on the fly to shift where the helicopter's sitting, to right. shoot bad guys and protect the guy in the building as the sniper, and then to be the guy in the building searching for the documents. Um, and and that's really I thought it was super innovative and enjoyable in that space. So they could if they it would be so crazy if Overwatch borrowed from GTA Five, <laughs> like the two most opposite thematic things you know well and uh, again there's also i mean i'm trying to remember battleborn had kind of an interesting thing because they did have some Mm. single player um but each character had like four or some odd missions so you got a little bit of single player out of each character but it wasn't so much that like i couldn't take 10 hours as diva or tracer Mm. like but a couple of hours or if i'm you know in like five minute segments or something where we've got the door open tracer get in and then you even if it even if it's not fully like tab switching between the characters but just you perform one mission action where it's like reinhardt defend the door and you have to defend the door for 30 seconds or whatever and that's just that's all you're doing and then it's like okay well the 
the doors open, Tracer, get in there, and Tracer runs past you, and then your camera, like, shifts into Tracer, and now mm-hmm. you're running into the door with Reinhardt behind you, and, like, done, you don't go back, you don't tab, the mission just goes forward from character to character in kind of a leapfrog scenario. That could also work just as well, but I think anything less than that, for me, is not, I'm not going to be terribly interested in it. It's got to be interesting, and it's got to use all the characters to tell a compelling story. Well, I mean, I think I'm also, you know, my perspective, my perception of what it could be is also heavily shaded by um, the PVE content that they've already put out in the game. Because for different holidays and seasonal events, they have PVE events that happen where it's not multiplayer head to head. Instead, it's a co-op mission. Right. And they're just not very good because it it's basically the campaign it, it, the the excuse me the PVE missions are basically the same things that you do in a multiplayer game like protect a payload cart as it goes right. from point A to point B except like you put it again just against bots and it's way more enemies on screen than oh, you would sure. ever get in a multiplayer game but it's still just kind of like they still feel eh. like creeps at the end of the day yeah it's still only, yes it's very much that and it's there's only it's only so compelling um, either way as I went on about in the uh, in the BlizzCon episode that we did, I think it's really interesting that they're basically making a single-player expansion for Overwatch, but instead of calling it that, they're calling it Overwatch 2, right. which I think is confusing because I think it's going to make people think that Overwatch 1 is dead when really right. that's just the multiplayer part of Overwatch. I almost kind of hope they come up with a new naming convention before then that makes it less confusing, but... Or at least a sub-name, like Overwatch 2, The Rise of the... Right, right, right. Um, and then, yeah, the the other big announcement that came out of, um, of BlizzCon was, of course, the new WoW expansion for WoW Retail Shadowlands, uh, which is slated, I think, for this fall, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, th- honestly, that's, that announcement, you know, WoW Classic came out, which obviously I've talked about throughout many episodes, but WoW Classic came out. I started playing that in August, and then um, when the Shadowlands announcement came, that's actually what prompted me to go start playing WoW Retail, because I wanted to get a max yeah, level character. Yeah, uh, even though it's several months out, and, and I'm already max level in retail now, I just kind of wanted to, it, it inspired me to go play it and I've yeah spent a lot of time playing retail since then in preparation for it, so I'm looking forward to to Shadowlands for sure. Nice, yeah. So uh, kind of sp- on the topic of things coming out, changing old things, where Overwatch is going to carry the the multiplayer component over. Uh, Warcraft Three Reforged came out, mm-hmm. and uh, you picked it up. I of course refused to ever touch anything Warcraft Three related ever again. Mm-hmm. Um. But there was a lot of upset in the community. And from what I've heard you say, like, for once, you're on the kind of on the side of the upset community. (laughs) I I am more than usual. Yes, yes. Um, Well, I will. The other thing, though, is that. So there's two there's there's reasons for that. A, the outcry. I think has been actually reasonable because the outcry has just been, Hey, you've either taken something from us that we literally had yesterday before you released this version. And that is that the, it, it, 
Warcraft 3, you could still play with your old copy, like the original version of it. You could still play on old Battle.net. And there were ranked server, or not ranked servers, but ranked play, uh, all sorts of custom games. I mean, there was just a, you know all the stuff that's been there. Well, when they came out with Reforged, you don't have to buy Reforged. If you want to play your old copy of Warcraft 3, you still can. Yeah. Um, and you just don't get the upgraded graphics and that sort of stuff. But it integrates fully with Reforged. So there's not two different communities. So if you want to play competitive Warcraft 3, Reforged players can play with quote-unquote classic players or whatever. Right. Um, but when Reforged came out, like the the competitive multiplayer ladders weren't in place. There was problems with custom games working, and I think there weren't custom games for yeah, a like week or so. arcade, quote-unquote arcade, was basically down. Yes. Um, and they did a thing, and I read an article on PC Gamer, so that's the extent of my, my research into this. But PC Gamer wrote an article about this, this policy that they took with mods for Warcraft 3 that really caused a lot of problems in the community. And that is that in the, the EULA, um, Blizzard stated that Blizzard has exclusive rights over anything created as a mod for their game. Right. And I guess normally the way that language is written is that it's shared. Right. Right. So it means that kind of the modder could take it in you another still direction. Cop- yeah, you're, as a modder, you could still kind of copyright your mod and and say, like, the code is mine. You can't steal my code. And Well, and – sorry, go ahead. No, and just basically – I mean, there are a lot of times where, at least in other games and things, the the gaming – the 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 – main production company whatever may reach out to a modder and say hey we like this we would like to implement it into the game can we work with you on you know changing the rights to exclusive or whatever right so um so i don't know at first i was like oh well that's kind of silly because what are they talking about like when, when i first thought of mods i'm thinking of like smaller mods like the ones that you and i have talked a lot about like the mods that you go and find when you're going to play space engineers right like those kinds of mods i don't understand how someone would care about whether or not they own them or not because they don't do anything outside of that game right right? they just add different functionality to that existing game which technically is what all mods do but when i thought about it longer i thought about oh look at a game like daisy Started as an Arma mod, mm-hmm. eventually became its own standalone game. Or look at Dota, Legends. Dota, League of Legends, like uh, that. Yeah, I was whole... going to get there. Oh, okay, <laughs> PUBG, PUBG is one. Well, and so in all of those cases, though, I don't think there's any any drama really. I think everything is fine. the The reason that Blizzard did this is exactly what you just said, which is Dota came from Warcraft three, right? And Dota two is a Valve game, right. not a Blizzard game. <laughs> and so I can see where... I can understand why Blizzard was like, we can't get burned on that again. Right. At the same time, I... Like... I don't... It just seems like kind of a heavy-handed way to try and accomplish that. Like the way... I mean, Counter-Strike, right? Is a really... Right. Or Team Fortress, Half-Life right? like mods. Yes, but the way Valve did it is they go in and split it. I think it's like sixty forty or something right. with the person with the whoever the developer is. So it's a partnership, mm-hmm. and 
to some extent. <laughs> I think Blizzard had their chance and didn't take it. Correct. And, and to some extent, the other side of that coin, though, is like, what mod for Warcraft 3 is still yet to be made? I mean, the game's been out for like 19 years or something. Right. Like, what mod is going getting ready? Because if they're not adding new modding tools... But again, maybe modding tools doesn't have anything to do with it because Dota is not about the tools, but just about the concept, right? right. So I don't know. Either way, um, that was a very rambly, long-winded well, explanation. I, I but... mean, aren't there – correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a long time since I've tried to mess with the arcade in StarCraft. But aren't there paid arcade games in StarCraft 2? And yes. isn't there a revenue split? There are now premium games in StarCraft 2 in the arcade. And yes, I do believe that is the case that there's, I mean, there has to be some, right. there's no way they're not taking any cut. Um, and so maybe they're looking at something like that with, I just don't know to see why you don't carry that same legal language over. Yeah. And well, and it, and maybe it's because Warcraft is not programmatically set up in such a way where it's easy to implement a shop in that kind of That's way. Fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, but they're making a reforged version, so you, well. But that so that's <laughs> that's where that's what takes me to my issue with the game. Okay, which again I think probably has a lot to do with my lack of understanding of what it takes to actually code a thing, right? So they did Warcraft reforged, Warcraft three reforged, and what I read, I thought, or what I remembered reading was that it was going to be the same game, but they were going to be like redoing it kind of from the ground up because they wanted all new assets and whatever, but that's not accurate. And I probably misread or misremembered what I read. What it is, is it's a high fidelity version of the game as far as the actual textures and models and like the, the general graphics of it. Right. It's, it's very, um, it's very pretty now it's 1080p. I'm sure it goes up to 4k. You know, it all looks good except that it's just the actual like like map and units and and whatever but like for example the UI is not is not also been remastered so <laughs> i mean it doesn't it's not like the UI is in the wrong resolution right. as far as the, the the text in it that's all fine but it's like the UI boxes are very much in the center of the screen and so taller kind of stretching should... out to the corners and using the screen space of a high def monitor. Right. It's just, it looks like a UI made for a four by three aspect ratio because it is, mm -hmm. and not one that has now been remastered or reforged for a widescreen display, which right. it's 2020, like having the widescreen sharp... display is not fancy now. Right. Like, like having sharp vertical cutoffs on the sides of your UI and then having screen space past that is right. really it jarring to like unless your ui is made to be a bottom bar menu or something but even that it's usually designed in a way that that doesn't leave you with like portions like an h-shaped map where you've right. got ui in the top and bottom of the center of the screen and then visible clickable map on the sides just doesn't really work the other thing is, and, and this is probably not a fair criticism as far as like something is wrong with the game, um, and probably more to do with the fact that I never played Warcraft 3, and really the only RTS I've spent a lot of time with is StarCraft 2 for the last decade, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
Warcraft 3 Reforged just feels like a game from when it came from. Because it is. Because it's yeah. not. It's just visually updated, but it feels kind of slow. Um, I mean, Warcraft 3 was slower, than, in my opinion, than Warcraft 2. Which is oh, already okay. slower than StarCraft, which is slower than StarCraft 2. So, like, right. it was not a... It was probably one of the slowest RTSs because of the focus on hero development. Ah, got and yeah. you were supposed to have... So you're supposed to try to get a good hero and a good army, but the micro... Like, your macro was for your army and your micro was for your hero. And, got like, yeah. a good hero could crush a whole army, a good army could crush an underleveled hero. But if you I had see. both, then you were very strong. I see. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, I, I played it a little bit, and I didn't think it was unplayably bad or something like that. And I would like to play through the campaign because it's actually, <laughs> what's funny is that, like, Warcraft is its own thing. Like, we've talked about that has Warcraft 1 and 2 and then 3. And then they shifted it entirely and went to WoW, right? Where right. it's an MMO and it's not an RTS and, and whatever. But that's where I got into Warcraft because I didn't do Warcraft 1, 2, or 3. So you're playing through the prequels, getting that exactly. pre-story. Exactly. So 3 is really the origin story of World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Like all of the events in World of Warcraft are set up largely in two Warcraft and three. 3. Yeah. A lot of them happen in 2, but there's quite a bit that happens in 3 too. There's probably more um, that happens in three just because they have more named characters, but that's what I was going to say. Three is where, like, I don't know, is Thrall in the game before three? I think. Oh, this is getting difficult. I don't remember. There are a few characters in two that translate. Yeah. Like, so I think the uh, the black dragon from two, mm. I think transfers over. Um, I'm not sure about three. Like two is what sets up the undead army. Got ya. So everything undead comes out of Warcraft two. The scourge or whatever. Yeah, like all of all of that. Because it's not even because yeah, in three it's the scourge, but in two it's the orcs that are dabbling with the demons. Because it's all it's it sets up yeah, Goldon and the demon portal and stuff is all two, and then that lets in the undead. Okay. So there are there are some named characters um, in two, but three is where you get more of them, just because they become. There are some heroes in Warcraft two, but they're just a normal character with better stats. Um, But in three, they become the the hero units and begin really setting some of that down. But a lot of the storyline is in two in the expansion pack sets up the the dark portal and a lot of the other stuff. I see. I see. That's cool. but yeah, so so I'm interested to play through it, but I was like, because there was so much backlash on it, which I don't know that any of the backlash is, is my personal complaints. Again, it was mostly the stuff that I was talking about at the beginning of, of this little thread. Um, but I'm interested to see if they continue to release updates and maybe do release an update for the UI or right. maybe do kind of help continue I mean, to modernize. I think their biggest push right now has been multiplayer fixes. And getting yes. that back up and functional, but yeah, Correct. like I don't know. I think that's a right. lot of work. That's a, especially because they've already released it. That's still a lot of work to go, and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of stake to be had in that, right? Like, there's not they're not going to profit greatly off of continuing to put a bunch of time, especially since it's already bombed. I would I would tend to agree with that, and that's why I'm interested to see what they do because I feel like they could potentially really capitalize on the fact that it ties 
obviously into the WoW since it's all Warcraft, right? Um, and really get the the WoW community engaged in it. But they're gonna have to fix some things before they they do that. And I'll, we'll we'll see we'll see if that happens. And, and to your point, there may just not be that much of a windfall on the line anyway, and so maybe they won't care. Um, you know, it, it, this kind of deviates out of Blizzard slightly. But, it, it, you know, the reason that we talked about Blizzard when we started this show, the reason that we led with talking about Blizzard is because, <laughs> again, they have their blemishes, so they're certainly not perfect. Right. But Blizzard is kind of like the last really big game developer that still is, like, mostly good guy. You're like still Bethes- okay looking up to them. And I think Bethesda, I mean, you know, Fallout 76 was kind of, is kind of a weird anomaly. But outside of that, I think Bethesda has been pretty, pretty true as well. I mean, at least the things that they're bad at, they know they're bad at, they make fun of themselves for. And where they could, they're probably closer to like the neutral. Like they're not, EA is the devil. We all know they're like lawful evil. But then, like, Bethesda's kind of in the middle where it's like, yeah, we have a bunch of problems. We know what they are. We're not going to fix them. And the next game will have the exact same bugs. But you'll like it because it'll still right. be good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. And then Blizzard is still kind of in the good category of, like, high polish, quality products. You usually aren't going to go wrong. You'll at least have well, fun playing a Blizzard game. Yeah. And, well, and that's, you know, that's part of my concern is, um, you know, so a company that you are very much not a fan of. Um, and I not wouldn't say that I'm a huge fan of them, but I do pay them $100 a year for access to their entire catalog, is EA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at a company like BioWare. BioWare used to be a shining example of one of the good guy, big developers. And then they got bought by EA, and BioWare has pretty much nonstop failed since that time. Westwood. Starting with... They took Warfare. when when they took Westwood is when I I gave up. Well, and I I take that back. Westwood and Maxis were the two yeah. companies that EA took that I was like, no, they're evil. Yeah. Right. Um. And and unfortunately, we I, I I'm afraid that we're looking at a similar scenario with Blizzard and Activision. Yeah. Because I've read several articles in the last year or so that talk about how. Blizzard faces a lot more internal pressure from Activision to be coming up with new IPs on a more consistent basis, be putting out new titles and new games on a more consistent basis because Activision's business model is Call of Duty and Spyro, right? Where you every six months there's an Xbox release. Now there's a mobile version of Call of Duty. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. No, and I, I mean, I spoke about that a lot in, in some of our earlier coverage, too, was just that I've been afraid of Activision eating Blizzard since that was announced. Right. I think it's taking a lot longer, but I think that some of that is like the whole boiling a frog sort of thing, where if you start mm-hmm. really slowly, nobody will notice. And as you chip away at it, how many it, – maybe it takes another five years or ten years, but how long does it take before Blizzard is just totally dissolved? Well, and, and you know, and I don't even think that it's I don't think that it's some grand conspiracy and not that you're positioning it that no. way, but, but I don't think that it's like 
I don't think that Activision has an agenda where they're like, we're going to slowly erode. No, I think the shareholders are just going to continue wanting what they want, and that erosion is not an intended maliciousness. It's just the result of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, it is because, well, and what happens is the people who who started Blizzard and who have been with it the whole time are leaving, right? Mm-hmm. Like Mike Morhaime, no longer there, right? Yep. Like people, this guy named and this is years ago that he left, but I think his name was like ghost crawler or something that used Mm -hmm. to be like the main guy for blizzard on like on world of Warcraft forum posts. He was the, they call them blue posts because they're right. He was the main guy who responded like, and he, I mean, it was years and years ago. Community manager sort of thing. Yeah. But you've just had people leave. And, and again, that's not even a bad indication either that happens in organizations. People leave and change. Right. But, the further you get away from those founders who were really married to the principles that the company founded with, the easier it is for it to become a more generic kind of corporation. I mean, it's kind of like Google has removed the don't be evil slogan, right? Which oh. like, how can you, how can you ever rem- like, just leave that? That should all, right. every company should have that as the baseline, but apparently right. It, right. there comes a point where you go, is money worth being evil? And I guess everybody's got a breaking point. So yeah yeah um yeah agreed and uh it, well and so the the one thing that gives me hope with that though and I, and it's i know it's a very different relationship so we'll see um but that is actually that destiny 2 so bungie was a microsoft company mm-hmm. you know for a long time not the whole time they used to develop for mac actually right and then <laughs> went to microsoft and made Halo and kind of single-handedly created the, the Xbox brand with Halo. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, really. Master Chief um, is green. Xbox is green. We're done here. Moving yep. on. Yep. Um, and so, so, so Bungie eventually ends their relationship with, with Microsoft and then goes and signs with Activision and makes Destiny. Well, then they eventually make Destiny 2, and Destiny 1 was a console exclusive. Well, Destiny 2 comes to PC. And so they had launched on Battle.net, which I thought was really interesting because up until that point, Battle.net had been exclusively Blizzard games. Mm-hmm. And now you've got two different years of Call of Duty on Battle.net along with Destiny 2. Well, then earlier this year, Bungie decides that their partnership with Activision doesn't really make sense anymore and Activision, this is something that EA, I think, would never do, right? Activision actually negotiates with Bungie to let them separate. Oh, and, yeah. No, I mean, that that would be like Westwood buying their stuff back out. <laughs> right, right. And allows Bungie to, to take not just, I mean, the whole IP, right? Like, right, not just yeah, that. Yeah, not just that title, but, not a profit share. They take the right. whole license, which that, yeah. that never, yeah, that never had. There were times, I think. You know, like the, there was a big legal battle over trying to buy back like the Earthworm Jim license because they're yeah. like, you guys are never going to do anything with this. Just let the let us have it back and do a remake or a sequel or something so we could do a kickstart. And they're like, oh no, the minute people are interested in it, that means it's worth more than it actually is, so we can't sell it. And it's mm-hmm. like you're not going to do anything with it. Like, right? Let the people right. have some Earthworm Jim, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. But Destiny 2, um, they negotiated that. They found a new platform home on Steam. And I was an owner of Destiny 2 on Blizzard. 
and they migrated over to Steam and had a very seamless, easy process to migrate your account and all of your DLC and everything from Blizzard Activision over to Valve Steam. Um, and yeah, I've had no hiccups at all. Had no problems with my profile, yeah, saving all the progress. There's been no issues, no news of like nope. even just multiplayer servers having to spin up or any of that. Like None they just it. had, they knew how many players they had. They spun up that many servers. You didn't have these. I mean, there, there's always your one or two off things, but you did not have some rash of accounts leaked or, you know, oh. broken or save games missing or whatever. And more impressive is they, they made Destiny 2 free-to-play with that transition. Right. Now, it has paid expansions and will continue to produce new seasons and, and that sort of stuff. Sure. So there will be stuff to buy, but you can play a large amount of Destiny 2 without paying anything. So And, and even with that change, not the problems that you were just talking about right. that, that commonly plague stuff like that. So... um so I don't know. Now the difference is is that Activision didn't change to Activision Bungie whenever they True. acquired them, and they are Activision Blizzard. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see if how that long before they just become back into Activision, and Blizzard Ooh, is completely devoured. Right. right exactly. Um, so I'm a little little hesitant on it. I mean, the thing is, is that as much flack as Activision has gotten over the years. Um, Call of Duty continues to come out and sell and continues to be praised year over year. Now it's had down years, but like this year they came out, they re they relaunched Modern Warfare. Now it's not, I don't think it's identical to the first right. version of Modern Warfare, but it's very similar and it's, it's doing really well. Um, and I say that just because like, uh, you know, to compare Activision and EA is like the two kind of like evil corporation titans of mm-hmm. <laughs> the space. Like, Activision does continue to produce titles that are popular and successful, whereas Madden that comes out of EA continually not better than it was the year right. before. Mass Effect games have only diminished in popularity. Yeah, the Sims has the Sims has stayed pretty up there. It has, but the Sims. I mean, when was the last new Sims game? Right? I think Sims they just 4. announced five. But the problem is, the Sims Four that is not just the Sims Four. There's like three thousand dollars worth of expansion packs. It's like that stupid for. train game on on Steam, where there's like thirty thousand dollars of train DLC you can buy. It's enormous. Um, yes, you are right. The Sims Four is completely clogged by way too expensive deals. But they keep releasing them, and they keep seeming to get praise. I see it pop up in the news over here and there, where the latest expansion true. is pretty good. I yep, mean, it, it's not as in my news because I'm not searching for Sims content all the time, but because I did search for Sims content for a, a decent while there when I did play through The Sims 4, uh, I, it, it still pops into my recommendations over here and there. So, <laughs> I mean, I think Feather and EA's cap right now is Apex Legends. That game, the yeah. Battle Royale game they have, that's, that's consistently praised. I've never really heard anyone complain about it at all, at least not on a, you know, massive issue with it. So right. I think that's doing pretty well. But either way, I don't mean to talk about EA and, and Activision... <laughs> Endlessly, but I just I wanted to I wanted to bring them up, and because again I think that they, I think that that Blizzard, again Blizzard being Activision to some extent, but there's these big developers, and and there's a lot of good guy developers that you and I are fans of. Right. They're all little, right? Like like Butterscotch Shenanigans, mm-hmm. awesome studio, 
it's three guys, right? Right. It's getting bigger. Uh, it's getting bigger. There's more now, but <laughs> sure. I mean, whatever. But Terraria, right? The, the people that make Terraria, oh man, so amazing. That's one tiny game, though. It's not this entire. Well, and even kind battle. of your, I guess, B-sized publishers that started as developers, like uh, Chucklefish. Mm-hmm. Um, is now more of a publisher than a game developer. And right. there are a few, there are a few of those out there, but again, they aren't the Titans. Even the B rate studios aren't super massive. They right. are publishers for indie games. Exactly. Exactly. And even indie games like Stardew Valley that have a giant success and a huge following, that's still not right. a Blizzard game. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just not as, as wide ranging. Um, so some some other things that I think are interesting that are again kind of tying into games Blizzard games, but but how other companies are also interacting in that space. Right. Um, obviously, Hearthstone, you know, <laughs> a, a a very interesting example of Magic the Gathering and trading card games have existed forever. Right. And Blizzard shows up with Hearthstone. And just completely dominates the digital version. Oh of yeah, uh, just, I mean, it just utterly like, and it, and it's not like other people haven't tried. <laughs> I know, but there so nobody succeed. Like, who succeeded at a trading card game before Hearths? And and there was Yu Gi Oh, there was Pokemon, there was Magic the Gathering, I, there's Warhammer 40k, several versions. Like, and those are just the big titles. Like, there's and, tons of smaller card games out there. And nobody was able to get a successful version of that into a computer. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that they did a few smart things. I think, A, they they leaned into doing things in the card game that you would really struggle to do, at least in a physical copy. Right. But you can do it virtual, like tracking hit points, mm-hmm. right? Instead of just either the, the, the creature survives or dies, there's actually a continual running health pool. Right. Um, just some of the different spell effects that happen. a lot of the spell effects, like being able to pull a card out of something that's not in your deck. Yeah. Like any card that's been released has a chance of getting summoned. Like you can't do that in a physical right. game. Right. Yes. Good point. Um, so yeah, there's just a, there's a lot of things they did that they leaned into that I think is smart. And then also the fact that it's tied into Warcraft. I don't is... think it would have been a successful if it wasn't. May, kind of pushed as the pub game played in Warcraft guild halls. Agreed. Like, like if you want to, like you and your guild mates can go pick up Hearthstone and have a hearty game of cards while you hang out in your guild hall, like was really what it was pushed as. Well, and just that the cards are all recognizable. Right. Like all of the cards are Warcraft characters. So you can get an Illidan card mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, that's so cool. I know who Illidan is. Whereas... If I play Magic, I might think that one of the characters is really cool, but that's the only place that I've ever seen it. Right. Right. It's unique to the Magic universe. Um, which, anyway, so it's it, Hearthstone has continued to dominate. However, within the last year, Magic specifically has come out with a new version of their card game. Right. Like their fifth iteration or something. Yes. But it's very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Day9, who used to be a very popular StarCraft II streamer, yep. and then went to Hearthstone, he actually streams Magic. Well, and he then went to MTG Card Games, because they were doing, like, spell casters or something, where he'd have on a guest and they'd play actual physical Magic. Oh. And then when Magic the Gathering Arena came out, it was just a given to move into that space. Right, right. Um, and then another... so. A company that I'm really interested to see, and this company actually is poised to be another Blizzard, um, because they've got an enormous amount of resources and they're they're independent still, and that's Riot, the company that makes yes. League of Legends. Yeah. So they've just announced in the last few months a slew of new titles that they're coming out with that are all based in the League of Legends universe, but are not MOBAs in any way. Right. Um, the two that I think have come out so far that I'm aware of at least are their auto chess game, mm-hmm. um, which competes directly with the game called auto chess and Dota two underlord or Dota underlords, I should say. Um, and then they released their own card game, which is, I think legends of Runeterra is what it's called. Okay. Yep. Um, and I actually did play that. It just came out real recently. You could, you could actually download and play it. I think it's open beta now maybe is what it's called. Or what it's in, I don't think it's full release technically. Right. Um, but yeah, it's actually kind of an interesting game. And, and it turns out League of Legends is still the most played game in the world. Right. Uh, so a lot of people are very intimately familiar with the characters, the right. IP. And the being lore. able to take that IP and stuff it into something else gives them that edge that I think Blizzard leveraged to get Hearthstone where it was. Right. Absolutely correct. Um so I'm interested to see, and Legends of Runeterra is actually a pretty interesting game. It's it's kind of a... So it's not as fast and arcade as Hearthstone. Uh-huh. It it borrows from Magic more so in that every action that any player takes, a response is allowed from the other player. Okay. So if I want to cast a spell in Hearthstone, if it's my turn and I've got seven mana... I can cast as many spells as I can fit into that seven. And you can't stop me. You just watch my turn until it's your turn in this. Yeah. If I say I want to play a spell, it then goes to you and you choose if you're going to do something to prevent that or not. Right. Um, I won't, I won't get into the weeds of exactly how it plays, but, but just suffice it to say, it's a little more um, strategic or tactical or I don't know what word to use than, than Hearthstone. But it's also still not quite as as nitty gritty as Magic. It, it kind of reminds me of uh, so. There's another digital game that I thought was going to set the world on fire that came out almost a full year ago now. Actually, a little over a full year ago, and that was Valve's Artifact. That's what I was going to bring up was just because they have the same like Dota characters are also well known, and that well, it's not the number one game. It's got to be in the top ten because it's just it as is. played. Yeah. So. Yeah, Dota is very popular, and yes, the, the characters of that are very popular. Artifact, though, the problem with Artifact was they tried to, to do an entirely new business model. They tried to make it so that, A, you had to buy the game up front to even play it, and all of the cards had to be bought. There was no method by which you could play right. and earn three packs. They also, though, built in the ability to trade for money all of the cards. Right. So unlike Hearthstone, where if I get a card and you need it, there's just not a way for me to give it to you. All I can do is turn it into They kind of leaned on the 
what already is a card auction house in just the trading cards that you can get on Steam, which yes. don't hold any value other than to sell for real money to whomever out there is buying them. I don't understand it either. <laughs> I sold so many last year, though, that I when I tried to sell another card on just not artifact card, but just regular card on Valve. Mm-hmm. They said I had to submit like a W nine or something. <laughs> like you gotta have be a self proprietor. Yeah, wow. so I just stopped selling at that point and decided I would wait a year. Um, but anyway, so artifact failed miserably. Well, and we it, all know how real money auction houses go. That yes. all success, like since eBay, every other real money auction house that's ever been implemented anywhere has been a huge success, right, Diablo? <laughs> right. <laughs> um. So that failed pretty miserably. But the other problem, even outside of the the way that the game worked from a money standpoint, Artifact, I think, was just a little too convoluted. You were playing three game boards right. at a time. Um, and there was a lot of RNG that had a ton of impact, but was absolutely RNG. So you in a game where it's supposed to be chess, right? right? It's supposed to be this ultimate strategy and tactics thing. And then you're just getting completely dominated by RNG. Now, yes, I understand in a trading card game, you're drawing cards. There's a level of RNG, RNG but there's still strategy. There's still enough strategy for it to be viable. Yes. Um, All of this is to say that I think that Legends of Runeterra falls in between those two. It's not as arcadey as Blizzard Hearthstone. It's not quite as convoluted as Artifact. And I'm interested to see where it goes. I think it I think it sits nicely and I think it has the potential to be very popular, especially because it's levering leveraging League of Legends. Well, I mean, is... so, very rarely does any game or I mean if we just stick to games, very it's very rare to have a game dominate a scene for so long. Like Halo yes. may have dominated first person shooters, but eventually Battlefield and Modern Warfare came out. Right. Yep. Like, yep. and now Halo is actually kind of lower on the rung as far as like when a, when a new Halo game is launched, it's not as big a deal. Well, and even honestly, we've seen that now with Call of Duty and Battlefield. That's true. Because now the popular shooters are PUBG and Fortnite, mm-hmm. right? Well, and it and shifted it- to some into the Overwatch area and the hero shooter area. And now, yeah, now just the the brawler, the hundred person arena is. Well, because so Apex. Apex is kind of a mix. Right. Apex introduces heroes that have abilities in the way that Overwatch characters do in the Battle Royale format. Correct. Whereas PUBG and Fortnite are more just, you're just a regular character. You don't have abilities. Right. You need to do. But, so. but Hearthstone has been sitting, I mean, up until right, Magic the right. Gathering Arena, and even MTG Arena, where it does challenge it some, it's really only getting Magic the Gathering players who don't want to have physical cards anymore. To, right. to play it's not going to get me to play um right. and even though i was a pretty big mtg fan uh it it's just not enticing because it's not different enough it's not a new thing it's just cards online well and i think hearthstone i mean i've been i've been at at, at events before you know parties or i don't know what you'd call them not really parties but like one night i went over to a buddy's house and there was probably 10 dudes there and we were all there to watch ufc fights um but while we're waiting for fights to start or in between fights or whatever, people are just pulling out their phones and playing head to head Hearthstone right. right there in the room. 
And it, so it's, it also just benefits from how ubiquitous it is and how easy it is to jump in a game with your friends on your phone. You yep. don't have to be on PC, you know? Um, so while Magic the Gathering might be great, if your friends aren't all playing it, are you really going to stick with it? Right. You know what I mean? And I think that card games in general, I, I'm still interested to see if anyone ever can figure out, which I don't know the answer, so I'm not even complaining because <laughs> I don't have a better solution. But is there a better monetization strategy? Because the thing that keeps me out of trading card games and just playing a ton of them is that to really get into any of them, you have to make a significant investment right. because you have to buy cards. And if you're not going to stick with it, they're valueless. And even if you do stick with it, every year a new iteration is coming right. out I, that's going to invalidate that investment. I did play one. I don't. I could go dig it up to find the name. I don't remember what the name of it was. Um it was, I think, one of the original or, or something developers for Magic the Gathering was part of the development of this game, which total, again, just a card game. But it was um, every deck was 100% like randomized, but still like playable. And there were I like you six me about races or so, but the card backs were all so unique. And each deck came with a list of cards that were in it. That you when you bought it and a deck was like five or ten, seven or ten dollars, so the price of a couple of booster packs, and they were smaller decks, like twenty cards or so, but you couldn't mix and match them. So it was not a trading card game, it was a trading deck game. Where if you wanted to trade somebody, you had to trade the whole deck. Because the mm. backs were all like stained glass, kaleidoscope kind of things, or like ten billion designs or whatever. But you couldn't mix and match cards. You couldn't build a deck. You had to, what you bought was what you got. And I thought that that was an interesting idea because it was cheaper. Um, but there were still certain cards that would generally be paired together that would be better than certain. So there were certain decks that people would. Oh, if you just keep buying, you'll eventually get one of these, and then you win every game. So it's still, I mean, I think I bought three or four decks to see what would happen. It was fun the couple of times we played it, but in, past that, it wasn't very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. It's The thing is, is that when you, when you design a strategy game, um, you know, I think chess is probably the gold standard of a strategy game, right? Because there's billions of possible moves or something that can happen. And chess is a game that has existed for a very long time and has been quote unquote figured out for a long time. But despite that has enough variety in it and is balanced well enough that it doesn't need patch updates, right? right. It doesn't need a new meta in order for it to still maintain. Its well, and I, I think a lot of strategy games benefit from like stability from just be, from consistently the same, making very small adjustments, even if you or not patching it at all or whatever. But it, the problem with the stability in a more rigid style game is that, especially in by today's standards, I mean, if you're in the news for more than three days, you're that's huge, you know. So being able to stay popular enough to get people to purchase it is is difficult um, for for really any strategy game. Well, and what I was where I guess where I was trying to go with it though is that like. I think that it's also just underestimated how hard it actually is to develop a strategy game that can't just be broken because that's ultimately what happens with card games. And even with Starcraft right. and stuff is there is a meta that gets figured out that says, it turns out we figured out the one best way to play this. Right. And that's the thing is that like chess doesn't have a, 
if you do this series of moves, there's nothing. I mean, there actually there are there are some if it's not caught, if your opponent doesn't see it, there's like checkmate by six, checkmate by eight. Yeah, there are certain openings and moves that if your opponent doesn't see them. It, I mean, yeah. it's like a proxy base in StarCraft, where if your opponent doesn't see it, it can wet, let you win. But if they do catch it, it's easily blocked by making one move or something. Right. So there are some – it's not a meta as much as there are certain game types that can be you know, better – more advantageous or not. I, I think it benefits one from having the mirror matchup where it is the same exact units on both sides um, and – arguably a tiny map so i think there's actually more variance in play when there's less room like you would probably see a more variety if a starcraft map could only fit eight marines you know horizontally on it right people would probably find more unique ways of placing those eight marines than a very large map where it's just optimal it's not optimal for you to move into a corner or something and take some long way around you're going to go through the middle. That's where you put detectors. It, it becomes – that's where you start getting a meta, I guess. Yeah. I could be totally wrong too, but <laughs> – No, no that, that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I'm, and I'm just speculating entirely, of course. I don't I don't know either. I just mean that, to say that, like, I think chess is a rare example of a strategy game that's held up for thousands of years or something. Well, but it has gone through revisions. I, I mean, they're, the prince and the elephant are no longer played pieces, um, so, I mean, there have been versions. I think it's been optimized. I think if you, if StarCraft stays popular for a thousand years, then it will probably go through some revisions and get to a perfected point where people just agree that it doesn't need to be changed anymore. Well, and see, like, like <laughs> Brood War though, like Brood War stopped being patched in like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to make up a year, so I don't know, but let's just say it was 2000 right. and maybe it was a little later than that. But Brood War stopped being patched and then was continued to be played for several years right. at a professional level. And so what it turned into was there really wasn't very much strategic changes happening. Right. And it really became just purely mechanical execution was the difference maker. Because at the, how the units worked and what builds needed to happen and all that was already figured yeah, out. all of that was solved. Right, and so it instead turned into just an execution, of, again, a mechanical exercise. More along the lines of There's... checkers or tic-tac-toe, if you know the solution, because they're very easy to solve those games, you know wow. if you're a first player, you do this, or if you're second player, you do that, and you know everything, every how to react to everything. If you know them, you can mm-hmm. always either tie or win the game. Right, right. Um but so, yeah, so I don't know. All of that was just a, a long-winded explanation or whatever of just to say, like, I, I'm interested to see how companies continue to, to shift these metas because I think that the shifting meta, beyond just simply that it's their business model of how they make money in card games, it's also kind of necessary to constantly release new cards to keep the meta right fresh. and to Otherwise, stay relevant and, and stay in the news cycle and stuff. It'll be interesting for sure. And it'll also be interesting to see Blizzard's response. Do mm-hmm. they change anything to respond to a competitor? Right. Um, if a competitor does break out enough to actually challenge their player base. Right, right. But kind of um, on the, the same esports scene, though, and because and we're kind of touching on it, uh, StarCraft II has changed pretty significantly, uh, at least from a professional level and from a, a joy of watching level. 
uh, for those of us that, that prefer watching their games. Uh, the entire esports scene, I think now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but Blizzard has essentially handed over the esports side of StarCraft II. That is my understanding. I mean, at least from a so financial still, level. Well, they're still contributing money, but they're contributing a small amount of money. Right. And what they what they've turned over is the structuring and hosting of events and tournaments and determining champion. Like it's there's no longer a StarCraft II champion determined at BlizzCon right. every year. WCS is gone. Yeah, WCS is gone, and the ESL is in. Right. Which the thing is, is that the ESL and, and DreamHack and IEM and all the, they were already sponsoring right. most of the tournaments anyway. So like when I first heard the news, I thought it was terrible news. Right. Because I was like, oh man, what? Blizzard like, dumped not- out of HOTS. Now they're dumping out of StarCraft. Like where's right. the pro sports scene going? Right. But yeah, I don't, that's actually not. Yeah, it's actually the complete opposite. Well, not the complete opposite. They are pulling a lot of their funding and they are not hosting, like you said, the WCS qualifiers and tournaments anymore. But the ESL is tripling down and has guaranteed three years of pro tournaments with weekly open cups that are open to anyone. Yeah. And it's the number of amazing games that are now available for viewing whether you're on twitch with somebody like winter and you want to see them there or you just want to go download them and watch them yourself in the starcraft launcher uh the number of just crazy good games is so high that it is flooded a lot of feeds like a lot of people can't keep up because they're just pro there's a pro matches being played every weekend now and yeah. all, all players that you aren't used to seeing or maybe you see more rarely you're now getting to see weekly in fact, some of the players that you're more used to seeing that can guarantee their places through other qualifying events kind of aren't showing up. And I think some of that is like, you know, Cyril doesn't want his tactics to be streamed every week if he's developing some new build, you know? Yeah, well, and I think I, I think the other thing that's, um, that's so cool about it is just, it, 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 I guess it's not the other, dude, the volume of games is awesome. The other thing that they did, though, is so when when StarCraft two came out and they had the WCS, what ended up happening was the the WCS is supposed to be the world championship series. But what happened was Korean players would go and enter the WCS qualifying events in all of the regions. So you would get to the WCS and it's still just eight Korean players. Right. Right. And so they said, well, we don't want it to be that. We want all the regions to be represented. So, and I don't know when this was, 2013 or 14, I don't know, sometime in the past, and sometime in the last 10 years, <laughs> um, they decided that in order to play for WCS qualifier, you had to live in the region that you were qualifying right. in. So what that turned it into is that all the Korean players are just in Korea and then all of the other regions start getting represented, which did lead to someone like Cyril right. kind of coming into prominence. And he is now considered the best Zerg in the world, which is the first time that I've ever heard of a non-Korean being considered the best at Zerg right. of any race. There's, there's been um, a few, but they've been few and far between. I mean, there's been there's been people who have won, but not considered the best. Yeah, yeah. not for a year or two. Um 
But anyway, but so ESLs removed that. So now what you're getting is you're getting you're getting Koreans entering qualifiers in the North American and European. However, regions. they do have to play on that server unless they agree to play otherwise. So uh, it, it's probably it, you know if you're a Korean playing on the North American server, you're unless you have a direct pipeline. It, it, you're probably going to be suffering some lag and some latency issues, or unless your opponent agrees that it's okay to move the server. But mm. that means that you're that the, you get kind of a defender's advantage and say, nope, we're playing on NA. If you don't want a 400 millisecond ping, tough luck. Like, <laughs> right. right. But yeah, so you're just getting a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of really cool matchups. And like I just the other day watched an American Neeb. Yep. Playing against, I, it, I can't remember. It wasn't Hero team. Marine, was it? It, it was. was. Okay, yeah. I also love Hero Marines. One of the few Terrans that I actually like to watch. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just there's just there's so many competitions, and to your point, there's a variety of games that we wouldn't have probably seen before because the players wouldn't have the the players that are that you're getting to see games between would have only met if they could have gotten to the grand finals of the world right. championship. And they're not doing that because it's just so hard. Now there's, it's a lot closer to like a football or something where now there's just, I can, I watch on weekends. I, yes. you know, like I, it's my Sunday game night or whatever. Like yeah. you can go watch those games. You can pull them all down yourself and, and watch them, or you can catch them on a streamer on YouTube or Twitch. And yeah, and they're they're awesome games. Like you said, because a lot of them are matchups that you're not used to seeing, like Hero Marine versus Neeb. And right. the fact that they're open cups means that anybody can qualify. Like if right. you or I wanted to really like, okay, now's my chance. You have three years to get good. Guaranteed, it'll be there for three years, hopefully longer than, but you can compete in the open tournaments on the weekends. Like, I think that's pretty cool. Step one, get platinum. Yeah. So <laughs> step one, get back to gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get step one, play again and don't get kicked out of gold, which I'm pretty sure happened yeah. would happen. I'm, now, I'm but... tempted. I've been tempted. There was another anchor coach recently that I was like, mm, I want to kind of I want to play. I don't want to play 10 games a week every week. <laughs> I'm, so where I've landed lately is that I've been tempted to play as well. However, my trepidation is not because I'm afraid of losing because I mean, I got to a point this last fall when we were playing where I had played like over 50 games as Protoss already for the whatever season we were in. And I sat down on a Saturday morning and straight up played 50 Terran games in a day. Right. I just nonstop played and went from bronze three all the way to gold two in a single day with Terran. Right. And the thing is, is once you can play enough, you get over the heebie-jeebies. Right. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that. And it turns out that the people that you play against are also in silver mm-hmm. and gold. The, MMO, the, the, the multiplayer, you know, lottery on that is actually pretty consistent. It is. It, it's for me, it's you... just like, it's not a game that's fun. Once it takes half a dozen games to get back into remembering how to play. That's what I was going to say is for me, it's more that like, I don't remember the builds. I don't remember the hotkeys, And it's, it, it's more of a, like, I'm just hesitant to go and start relearning which I'm sure it would be quick because it hasn't been that long since we played, right. and there's. But it's still by the time that I feel comfortable with all of that again, I'm I'm done with it. Right. I would right. rather yeah. just watch Hero Marine and Neeb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing is you can watch those pro games and they make it look so easy that you're like, well, that looks fun. Oh, yeah. And then you go and do it, and it's like it doesn't look like that. <laughs> it 
I forgot to build my second pylon. Yeah. So, um, well, the only other thing that I that I already kind of mentioned that I was just gonna kind of looking to the the speculating about Blizzard's future. I'm curious to see if they'll come up with an auto chess game. Have you ever played an auto chess? I've game? I've watched a few be played, and there okay. is a auto chess like game in the StarCraft arcade right now. Which is why mm. I'm wondering it's not like owned by hosted by Blizzard or whatever, but it's somebody made. It's not that difficult of a concept, and once it's out there, you can remake it. And StarCraft's ed map editor is kind of ridiculously powerful, and yes. so there there already are a few, I would say, but there's there is a StarCraft auto chess like game. Um, yeah, I think that they should. I mean, I, I would expect if they were going to do it that they would do it like Heroes of the Storm, right. where they would do their whole catalog yeah. of ideas. Um, well, I don't know. We'll with see. Heroes of the Storm and the way it went, they may be a little trepidatious about trying to launch some big thing. They may be, and, and honestly, I'm I'm curious to see how how Auto Chess goes anyway. So I had played Auto Chess. It turned out that I thought I'd played it recently, but according to Steam, the last time I'd played Dota Underlords was actually September, um, and then I actually just played it the other night for a few games to to see what it was like. It's just a really bizarre game type because. It's kind of like if deck building was just a game all on its own, because that's really what you're doing is you're going through and building a roster, but then when the when the characters fight, you don't control that right. really in other than maybe some basic positioning to start. I mean, maybe that's uh, actually kind of where the trading card game monetization type thing goes, is toward yeah. something like a a draft where you're drafting every game. Yeah, well, and they have, like, in Hearthstone, they have arena mode, which is right. you draft before every match, right? Or, or at least before a set of matches. You draft a deck and then play it until it's gone. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think Blizzard possibly could capitalize. I also just don't know how much room for innovation there is in that space right. while maintaining that genre. Because if you start to introduce, quote-unquote, micro... Now it's hard, yes. Yeah, or a battler or mm -hmm. whatever, so... I don't know. And then you add some uh, creeps and then three lanes and towers and <laughs> <laughs> we made League of Legends out of auto chess. <laughs> like, no. Uh, but... So I have the, the the one last thing that I kind of, while we're still on the StarCraft, now this is still fairly fresh news, so I haven't seen too much of it go around, but it has been spreading, is that uh, like 10 years later, uh, or more, um, we have StarCraft Ghost has leaked. Uh, a dev kit for Xbox has surfaced online, and multiple people have have had access to it, and several news sites have validated that access that have also been given kind of access to it to say, yeah, it's re here, it's real. It's a, it's a, it appears to be an Xbox dev kit of some release content for StarCraft Ghost, multiple playable levels. Several of them aren't playable. Some levels or certain uh, actions or motions crash the game or crash the Xbox. Uh, but it is full playable, or at least not full, but a playable version of the game, however much content is in there. Uh, and it, I mean, it looks kind of cool. It's really interesting to see something that was shelved so long ago kind of like I, I i i've had this multiple times especially with some of these first person games my other feeling about this is with ea's tiberium 
which was the second going to be the second first person shooter in the the Command and Conqueror series um that looked really cool and has an amazing trailer to it and then just they, they in fact they said the game was done they just didn't want to spend any budget marketing it so they weren't going to release it which I feel is just like, and I think mostly that was about where StarCraft Ghost hit, is it was remade two or three different times. And they're like, yeah, we've already spent enough on this. It's not worth it. So let's shelve it. But being able to see that content come out, I think is just really cool. Like, it's, I mean, it, you're, you play as Nova, and there are several missions available that you can kind of run and gun through. And it doesn't look like, you know, some earth-shattering thing, but it's still really cool to see before overwatch blizzards take on a first person shooter or slash third person i think there's some over the shoulder stuff from what i've seen but it it looks cool yeah yeah i think it's interesting and and it's it's funny because starcraft ghost is like a, a a strange thing with the community where people are mad that they've never released it and like oh come on just make it make the game because they've they've said something about it many Mm -hmm. times well and there was even Uh, wasn't there also wasn't it canceled a sec like uh, more recently that they were going say what i believe yeah yeah that they had like come back and said well actually we were remaking starcraft ghost again and then Mm -hmm. we canceled it again but that yes. was that was the the news broke that they announced the cancellation, and this was within the last year or so where they said, yeah, there was yeah. another version that they were going to do, and that also dropped. But this is the original version, or one of gotcha. the original versions that that got leaked. Gotcha. Um, well, and so it's interesting because on the one hand, there's almost like I don't want to call it backlash because it's not that significant, but there's almost like a, a a negative response to the fact that it hasn't ever been made, except that. That is in and of itself what makes Blizzard one of the few. That's like one of their good guy qualities. They don't want to release that, a bad game that they don't believe in. Yes, which is what I'm afraid of from Activision what, that I was talking right. about earlier, putting pressure on them to release more stuff. Is it's like, no, release cool. it anyway. You spent the time on it. We're getting our money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like I appreciate that they're willing to say this isn't my best work. Like this isn't, this isn't, this isn't going to be what we want. It's just mediocre. Um, and yeah, I think that that's a, however, I, I think, mean it for someone like me who hated Warcraft three, that was a real salty pill to swallow. What is the canceling of ghost? Because the time, but that was supposed to be my carryover from brood war to Starcraft two. Right. And I just had to wait a decade. <laughs> I had to completely right. grow up. I had to go right. from high schooler to full blown adult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, just that's to fair. get one more. Like maybe somewhere in between yearly Call of Duties and only once every other midlife crisis, I can get a release of my favorite, you know, license. <laughs> you know, something though that does that actually maybe gives me a little hope and ties back to Overwatch too is maybe their thought is maybe they actually do have some good ideas for a single player FPS now, but the Starcraft brand is a not their strongest IP and B not associated with shooters. And they already have a shooter IP. So maybe the cancellation was this time less because they didn't understand how to make it. And maybe because it just makes more sense in, right. They could very easily have used all of that engine stuff to make overwatch too. Like, it very well could be, let's reskin this as a single-player campaign and just put Overwatch stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. We will see. Yep. 
So that's been pretty much all of the major stuff that I, that I think I've, I've seen, at least as far as big changes in Blizzard. But there's been a lot of them. It's been kind of an odd, not even a full year so far, right? Like, it's been, yeah. they've been in the news cycle a lot lately. And they have. Even, even without BlizzCon, there's still a lot going on. So there is. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, despite despite some of the, the blemishes on their record that they've had and, and some of the um, bad PR decisions that they've made and, and uh, maybe just even questionable moral positions they've taken. Um, I still ultimately am optimistic about the future of Blizzard and am hopeful that they continue to be one of the, the good guy, big companies out there that continues to make, I mean, <laughs> IPs that I've spent probably more of my life with than from any other single entity. Right. right? So, um, yeah, I have to I agree. Know, I'm, I, I'm keeping my hopes up, but I'm also, I've been tempered by my, <laughs> I guess, I guess these more, you know, adult, uh, uh, you know, cynical out views, but uh, not that I'm, you know, a hundred percent, Oh, they're going to be the next EA, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm reserved. And yeah. because any one of these could get canceled, Diablo four could get canceled and yep. we'll see. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think Diablo three was a really great lesson in that because, you know, the thing was, was that we hadn't had a new blizzard game other than wow in a long time. And then Starcraft two came out and it honestly just shattered. It met and met and exceeded every expectation that I think right. anyone would have had for the Starcraft sequel. And so when Diablo three came out a couple of years after that, we all just kind of thought they were going to pull off the same magic that they had with Starcraft and they did not. Um, and obviously we've talked about Diablo three extensively in our Diablo three episode, and I don't have a different opinion of it then. So go check that out. If you haven't heard it. Um, while I don't hate Diablo three, it did not continue the Diablo franchise in the way that Starcraft right. continued the Starcraft franchise. So. All right, well, that's going to be it for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at Pod on Twitter. We'd love to discuss your interesting ideas on a future episode. We've also started streaming on occasion, and we announce those stream times on Twitter, so follow us there to, to get those times as well. If you like this episode, please rate, star, thumbs up, or review us wherever you're listening. You can also join us on Discord and in our Steam group. All of the links uh, for all these different ways to join us are available in the show notes. If you'd like any more of my, this is Walker's insights on pretty much anything not related to gaming and life, then I invite you to check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found.